Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to Believe in K-State, hosted by Joe Matthew and Reggie Blackwell. It's been a crazy 24 hours for K-State sports fans, with word this morning that offensive coordinator Colin Klein is leaving for Texas A&M. We talk about who Chris Kleiman may hire as a replacement for Klein and the ramifications of the move to the football program. Also, a big victory for the K-State basketball team last night against Villanova when Tyler Perry hit a big three-pointer with only a few seconds left in overtime to get the victory. And also, the Naquan Tomlin situation. Why is he still suspended? Is Richard Linton involved in the decision? And what does Linton have to do in order to rectify this situation and get Tomlin back on the court? We also talk about the bowl game coming up against North Carolina State. We do a short little preview for you. All that and more, but first a message from our sponsor. The holiday season is off and rolling with NFL in full stride and the NBA and NHL hitting mid-season form. Ben Online is your number one destination for all your sports wagering info. With up-to-the-minute sports wagering news, odds, trends, and predictions, BetOnline is the top spot for everything pro and amateur sports. And not just the big four. BetOnline is info available at your fingertips with both desktop and mobile access at any time for almost any sport that's played, from MMA to international soccer. Head to BetOnline today and remember to use our promo code BELIEVE for your 50% off welcome bonus on your first deposit. Been online where the game starts. Hey Joe, how you doing, my good friend? All right, Reggie, how are you? It's not like we have nothing to talk about today. Well, we got a lot on the table today, young man. Twenty-four yeah. hours. The last twenty-four hours in K-State sports have been quite interesting. Yeah, I'd say so. As we're recording, there are pro Naquan Tomlin protests going on. Richard Linton's lawn. <laughs> right. So for those who don't understand, Naquan Tomlin got into an incident some months back in Aggieville late. The legal process from all everybody's understanding has been completed. The Raleigh County Police Department said he should have never been charged. So he's in what's called a diversion pro- program. As we speak, he's been doing everything that we can understand under Coach Tang, whatever disciplinary things that he has him doing, seeing like he's been following all the protocols. But now we have an understanding now that the president has done something a little bit unprecedented and is holding up Naquan Tomlin from coming back and joining the team. Now, full disclosure, I have no idea why the president has gotten involved on an incident that's usually handled by the athletic director and the head coach of that particular sports. 
That's usually how it's been done all the time. Never seen a president get involved at this level. Unless there's something else going on, Joe, I'm confused. I'm confused, too. And that's why I keep wrecking my brain trying to figure out why would Richard Linton get involved in this at all? Because it's normally up to the head coach, maybe the athletic director would get involved from time to time, depending on how serious the issue is. But as far as we know, it was just a bar fight. You went through the legal process, like you mentioned, and it's over as far as the legal process goes. So he's fulfilled all those obligations, and we've seen in the past that the stuff like this happens. The player goes through the process, and once they're cleared or whatever, or have you know done whatever they have to do uh, to get reinstated, they get reinstated. But in no, this. That- In this case, it looks like the president of the university is getting involved. And as far as we, we don't know why. That's the, that's the million dollar question, Joe. And it has got K-State fan base in a fever pitch uh, on this issue. (laughs) Because um, we know how important Akon Tomlin is to Kansas State. He's the best player on their roster. Yes. Uh, And we have seen through what we could see, he's been very contrite. He's been very responsible. He hasn't ran away from this issue. No. He's He's out doing charity events. He's doing charity (laughs) events. He's been accountable. He's doing everything he needs to do to show that, hey, he made a mistake and he wants to move on. I, I do tell you, Joe, I I don't want it to become a race issue because Daquan is an African-American basketball player. I'm hoping that is not what I'm saying here at this, at this moment, but I can see that narrative begin to blow over if we don't get this resolved quickly. I think the fans all across the country, not only in Manhattan, what they're doing on Twitter, I'm 100% supportive of them. I, 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 I think they're doing the right thing and they're taking the proper steps. I don't think they're jumping the gun based on the information that we know. Right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the race thing, We I sure hope that has nothing to do with it. But Richard Linton needs to make some kind of statement. He has if, to. Especially now. I mean, he showed right. before. And the other day, Jerome Tanks said something odd. He said they're treating the suspension as a season-ending injury, like that he's not coming back. That was that was one of the most profound, um, very questionable things that Tang has said in regards to this. Uh, obviously, yeah. he's been very careful. And his word search uh, and what what tense of speech he used and explaining this situation, because obviously he don't want to just throw Linton completely under the bus. Um, but I think it's frustrating him. And I think what the fan base is so irate about is they don't want to have this drive a wedge between Jerome Tang and the K-State administration. 
because Jerome Chang is a hot commodity. We don't want to lose him as a basketball coach. Right. And we've seen this in the recent past with Frank Martin and John Curry. We saw this. We, we've, we, we've seen they, this movie. They were at odds over things, many things, but especially the receipt, that old thing with Jamar Samuels. Right. And we don't want a repeat of that. Jerome Tang, he appears to be on the right track. He's got the basketball team. There's a buzz around the basketball program, and there has been since he's been here. We don't want to lose him. (laughs) We don't want him getting pissed off at the administration and saying, hey, I'm out of here. I can get a job anywhere else. Which he could almost right now. At the end of this season, he could bolt almost anywhere and become the head coach anywhere. Exactly. And Jerome Tate generally loves K-State. Yeah fan base and Manhattan Kansas and the support particularly that the students give for the basketball program that is real enthusiasm that you see from him so I know this is bothering him to the core I think it's in the next day or two maybe even sooner Linton has to say something because the amount of emails and the amount of calls that his assistant Katie is feeling right now is at a it is at a, uh, a crazy level right now, to where it's very un- overwhelming, very unfortunate for that assistant because she's a really nice lady. Mm-hmm. Um, fans, if you do call, be nice to her; it's not her problem. Right. But she's very articulate, very nice, and will handle things in a manner of professionalism. Stay professional with her, state your case, but um, keep dialing. And I think a lot of people have been. My text messaging has been blowing up all day from people. I called Linton's office. I just emailed him or whatever, you know. So, and Twitter's just nuts with people. People posting a video of the Naquan Tomlin rally and people, you know, posting Richard Linton's phone number and email address. And people are being respectful of Katie, but I know she's just pulling her hair out, I bet, trying to answer that phone. It, I yeah, feel bad so, for her. <laughs> yeah, so it's 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 a story. It's something that K-State will have to deal with. I'm hoping that Linton understands the magnitude and the passion from the fan base to make sure he addresses this. Because if he's addressing something that we don't know about, I think we still got rational fans with say okay we understand why he's not back right exactly. if he can give us a legitimate reason why it's happening yeah and he needs to do that soon yeah so we also got some shocking news at the early 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 hours of wednesday morning it started yeah. developing tuesday night it started developing with a fever pitch we knew this was probably coming i didn't think he could fight this one off Colin Klein is going to be the new offensive coordinator for Texas A&M. Allegedly, he just turned down the Penn State job. He turned down the Notre Dame job last year. Um, Colin Klein has put up some great numbers with Kansas State offense. He's been creative since he took over. He's young. Uh, It looks like he's one of the hottest coordinators in the country. Mm -hmm. His life-changing money for him and his family, I don't know the exact numbers. 
but they're saying it's going to be Owacha. He will be one of the top offensive coordinators paid in the country. So that's going to put him um, probably at least double his salary. He probably will be in a million five plus more per year uh, as an offensive coordinator. So I think it's a good business move for Colin Klein. Uh, I know Kansas State is his alma mater. I know a lot of Kansas State fans are disappointed. But I think this is a good move for him to go to a little high-profile program, kind of taking the steps that Bob Stoops took when he left to be the defensive coordinator at Florida. He still would be able to make his way back if he needed to to be a Kansas State coach if that job comes available sometime down the line. Uh, and I don't think that would be a problem with anybody at Kansas State or anybody in the administration. So kudos to Colin. Uh, I know it's a gut-wrenching move because you don't ever want to leave your players, especially you got a young quarterback that you're getting ready to, uh, you know, get going and see to go to work. But I just think it's too much money to turn down and too much um, opportunity on a bigger page and career for Colin to turn down. Yeah, I put myself in his shoes. Someone doubled my salary, and I was making, I heard maybe upwards of $2 million a year. Yeah, yeah, it could be. Yeah. He, can't, he can't turn that money down. So I see why he made that decision, if that's the that's why, which I think it is. Because, you know, he loves Skate State. Went to school there. He's, you know, his name's on the stadium. He's was offensive coordinator. I mean, he leads purple. So, K-State obviously can't match, can't pay a coordinator $2 million a year. So, yeah, kudos to him. I feel happy for him. I'm not all bent out of shape about it because I do understand the decision that he made. And I also think K-State is going to find another offensive coordinator to do the job and to do it well. Anybody, there's going to be a lot of people that want that job. Knowing Avery Johnson is going to be your quarterback for three years, and you're going to look like a genius running that offense. Yes. No so, doubt. There won't, be, there won't be a shortage of candidates. No. So I think K-State will just be fine going forward. It is a loss. We don't know how it's going to affect recruiting quite yet. But it gives Kleiman the opportunity, at least, to hire somebody with recruiting ties who's a strong recruiter, um, who can maybe even elevate the recruiting uh, level that K-State is currently at. Now, I've heard rumors that they're going to promote from within. Eh, I don't know if I'm a fan of that or not. But I do think he should look around. There's going to be a lot of people giving him a phone call Wanting that job? No, I, 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 and that's been, and that's, I got the same feelings as you. Uh, I, I think the first inkling, and that's kind of been the K State way, is to kind of promote within. If, if you get an opening like that at the coordinator position, but I do think this time, K State maybe needs to take a little different approach, uh, and expand the search. Look, I'm not saying that is no one on that staff that can do the job, uh, the K-State offensive staff right now. But why not look 
across the board, see if somebody runs a similar offense that's done very well, that's already proven as an offensive coordinator and and has the recruiting chops as you talk, that's going to bring some value. Even if we pay a little bit more for the position than what we were paying Colin, that's okay. But I do think Avery, as a as a as a quarterback, deserves the best possible person out there that's available in the marketplace to lead him into the next, you know, several years. Yeah, I agree with that hundred percent. You think they're going to go for higher from within? I, I think but, they're going to uh, look. You're kind of connected to the program still. I, I think they're going to. I think they're going to connect. I think they're going to look. The only one, uh, unless I'm missing something, that has called plays at the offensive line, Coach Riley, yeah. and that was back in the day. I think way back in about 2010 or so. Um, I got to remember what school. So he's the only one that I can really, really think. That's the possibility if you look internally that has called plays. Uh, I don't know if B.A., the running back coach, has done it. I don't know if Middleton. I don't know about the tight end coach. So, And I don't know if those guys actually want to be coordinators. I'm not sure Yeah. at this at this point. That's a whole other dialogue to be done. Do they even have aspirations if that's the direction they want to go? You know, because you can't always assume everybody, you know, particularly like B.A., you know, he's a he's a guy who's been around a little bit. He's been a very acclaimed running back coach, but he's been good at what he's done. He might be very content at being a running back coach, you know, and not necessarily taking on the responsibility level of a offense coordinator. And I don't know if that's to be true or not. Mm-hmm. I know I don't know one way or the other. Um, I know uh, but, Kleiman and Matt Wells are buddies, and I don't. I know Matt Wells is at Oklahoma right now, but I don't know how much he's making there or what. But you know, th- there's a guy that Kleiman could have a conversation with and see if he's interested. I think that'd be a great get if we could get someone like Matt Wells. Yeah, and that name has already been mentioned. But uh, it definitely leaves a hole um, going into the bowl game yeah. uh, with uh, with no offensive coordinator, basically one quarterback on the roster. Uh, there's a lot going on there. But I think climbing a climbing a, a dig in there. I think he'll hit it. He'll have a strong plan. He'll get somebody that we can work with. Uh, and I think they'll probably run a very similar offense than what we're doing now. We won't bring in somebody that's going to reinvent the wheel. I think that's mm-hmm. probably why, Joe, that he's looking internally because you pretty much like the style of offense that we was running with a more balanced attack with some run and some mm-hmm. pass. Now you got a dynamic quarterback that can have a quarterback run game with it as well. So I don't think you want somebody to come in and change up the whole system. That's why the internal conversation probably makes some sense because of that reason. Yeah. It'll be interesting. <laughs> no, it's going to be very interesting. It's just, it's just the timing of it. 
You know, it's yeah. on the final days of recruiting. Uh, so you're trying to close out recruiting. I'm sure Klein, Klein was out recruiting for K-State over the last few days. Now, all of a sudden, you know, he's wearing a Texas A&M hat, you know, so that's just that's yeah. just how things work out. Yeah, that's how things work. Kind of a weird profession. <laughs> yep, so that kind of leads us into, you know, how do we prepare for this bowl game now? You know, we got a few weeks here to put together a game plan. We still got to play the game against North Carolina State. We, we not only we lose our offensive coordinator, we lose our quarterback coach. So I'm assuming that climbing whomever that he brings in, if he brings in somebody from the outside, I will assume they will be a quarterback coach slash offensive coordinator. If he looks internally, then he will still need to hire a quarterback coach. Uh because if he take one of the guys, you know, B.A. or, you know, the offensive line coach or somebody else off the staff, they'll probably still coach their same position and be slash offensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. So we'll definitely need a quarterback coach either way, depending on how the season shakes out. How uh, how involved are those assistant coaches, say the quarterbacks coach and the running backs coach? How involved are they in like coming up with a game plan typically and you know, giving their input to Colin Klein when he's running plays during a game? I mean, do those guys know the playbook in and out where they can yeah, just kind of step in and do it for a game or yeah, I think they're very involved. They're very involved in the game plan. But it's different when the bullets are flying and you got to call it and, right. with, with, with only, you know, 30-some seconds on a play clock, you know. Mm-hmm. So, but all of them know the plays. They know the sets. They know what's going on. They do give their input. But they give their input mostly, mainly based on their position group. Yeah. You know, if you got the wide receivers, if you got the tight ends, you got the running backs, you're going to be getting input on the running game. Or if you got the offensive line, you're going to be giving input on blocking schemes, et cetera. So it's usually about their particular position group. You think Climate's going to name an offensive coordinator before the bowl game or just name a temporary offensive coordinator for the bowl game? That's a great question. Uh, I think if he if he does the internal route, if he doesn't find a candidate prior to the bowl game that's outside the program, he'll do it kind of by audition like he did with Klein mm-hmm. a few years back with LSU. Yeah. You know, Klein's going to take over. He's the interim offensive coordinator. We still looking. Klein goes out, have a great game. We beat LSU, an undermanned LSU team, but we did beat him. Beat him convincingly. He looked good. He looked comfortable. He made him the full-time OC. I think he would take a similar approach. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah, I don't know. How do you feel about this whole game? Because I'm not really excited about it. I don't know why. I kind of know why. It's because the transfer portal is kind of ruining – the sport for me. (laughs) 
I mean, you're not, right. you're, we're not going to see the 2023 K State Wildcats against the 2023 NC State Wolfpack. We're going to no, see uh, an exhibition game of a preview of the two, 2024 versions of those teams. It's an odd dynamic. <laughs> K-State's not going to have a lot of the, their key players. What happens if Avery Johnson gets injured or minor injury even in the game and someone else has to come in and play quarterback? That Yeah, I want him to win. But if Avery Johnson has a great game, I'm going to shrug my shoulders and say, eh, doesn't really matter. And if he has a bad game, I'm going to do the same thing. I'm going to say, eh, doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of things. So well, I guess I'm saying the game doesn't matter to me. Well, I look at it a little bit differently than you, Joe. I look at it as, yes, it is a preview of 2024 and not a culmination of 2023. Now, it still is a culmination for some of those few seniors that I still think will play in the bowl game. I think BB will still play in the bowl game, even though yeah. – we know he's going to be a probably first round draft pick. I think um, I think there I think a receiver will play in the bowl game. Uh, um, what I'm thinking, I just had a brain. Yeah, I think you. I think our receiver will play in the bowl Bill game. Brooks? Yes, Brooks. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Brooks will play, and I think a couple key people will still play in the game to go out with the brothers and, and for some camaraderie. So I do look at it as I don't think K-State football want the last images of that Iowa State game to be what they go into 2024 looking at. That's a bad stain yeah. of that loss against Iowa State and the way we lost, especially on the defensive side of the ball, giving up those type of explosive plays. I don't think from a recruiting standpoint, I don't think from just an image standpoint, I don't think from a coaching standpoint, we want those to be the last images. So this bowl game does give us an opportunity to look at 2024, to look at the new era of players and to set the stage for next year to see who we're going to have and against a pretty good quality opponent. As well. So no matter who they play, we don't know exactly necessarily how many opt outs or who's going to play for them. But I do think it's a game. We still can get to nine wins. We still can win a quality bowl game and it can springboard us to next year. So I think it still mm-hmm. has some merit. I understand part of your zeal. I think we'll find out with the number of fans traveling now to Orlando. It looks like I think the numbers probably will be down a little bit um, than normal, but we'll see. This is our first time in the state of Florida. Yeah, and NC State is is a good team, and I did a quick Google search of their transfers so far. They've had a they've had a handful of guys. One of their good receivers entered the portal, so they're missing some guys. But they've uh, they were nine and three. They lost to Notre Dame. Duke and Louisville by only three points. You know, they beat Clemson. They beat Miami. So while on paper, 
you might rather play or the prestige of playing maybe Notre Dame or Clemson or someone like that. This is a good team that's, you know, as good or better than those teams. So, I mean, they beat Clemson. So, Clemson's a real quality program. So, this is going to be a challenging game to win. It is. It is. They'll have their work cut out for them. Yeah, they'll have their work cut out. So, it, it, it should be fun. Um, like like you say, NC State is a team that's always around at eight and four, nine and three, kind of upper tier ACC, but haven't broke through yet. You know, they haven't broke through yeah. yet to get to the championship game. They always find a way to lose a game to somebody they shouldn't lose to, but they always beat North Carolina, yeah. and they'll always give Clemson a fits and headaches every year. So it should be it should be a fun game for uh for K State and for Avery Johnson to compete. I'm really excited about Avery Johnson just running the show. I know a lot of people are disappointed now because it's not going to be under the watchful eye of Colin Klein. But I think he's excited, Avery, and I think a lot of people with this program is to see him play relaxed, loose, basically in an environment. It ain't really an exhibition game, but it's a game that, okay, just like you said, if he does well, good. Okay, we can kind of see what it is. But if he doesn't do as well, okay, we know what we need to work on and concentrate on in the spring to get ready. And we got to remember, Avery came in in the spring of last year, so he does have a lot of practice time under his belt at K-State. He did get some game time this year, some mop-up time. He did play some good minutes at Mizzou and Texas Tech where he had a lot of success. But now we really, really get to see the whole package. Yeah, I'll be interested to see him start a game and play the whole game to see how he does. I want to see a little bit more of it passing the ball. He's looked good passing it, but it, you know, it's just in spurts. We haven't really seen him a whole game passing the ball. It's mostly running. So that'll be interesting to see. No doubt. So otherwise, other than that, uh, I'm looking forward to it. I think we'll probably do one more before the game just to kind of put a buzz around it to see if there's any more opt-outs or anything else dramatically changed. We did have a person that entered the portal. Uh, Matlock, Matlock, yeah, that was a little bit of surprising, and it looks like he entered because of the scheme. Yeah, uh, it looks like he wants to play in a traditional 4 3 defense where he's playing in the 3 3 with K State, so he has to kind of line up head to head sometime on those big tackles. And he's not in a what's called a seven technique where he's outside shade of the tackle and the tight ends. He's he's now have to be in that position where sometimes he has to be heads up in his 3-3, and he just wants to be a traditional end. And I can see why with his frame at about 6'5", about 250, he's long, he's lean. He's want to be in a traditional 4-3 defense to give himself the best opportunity to play at the next level. Yeah, I was surprised to see that one, but once I 
saw the explanation. I was with you, yeah. I he, he has a really legitimate reason for transferring out. So best of luck to him. He's he's a good player. He's a good player. I, I was like watching them. So made some big plays for us. So yeah, we'll miss him. Be but, a loss. Um, kudos to him. Yeah. The other piece before we close things out is I think what we've got to watch here over the next two to three weeks uh, as we get up to signing day and we look at the transfer portal is who do we bring in? Yeah. Who do we get out of the portal? And we've been very successful uh, over the last several years of getting some couple of dynamic players, you know, out of the portal. I like the Julius Brents. Uh, a guy that went in the second round. But we had a couple DBs and some safeties that have been very hot performing contributors as well. Um, some defensive linemen, too. Who was a guy and, a couple of years ago? Yeah, Timmy in. Horn. Timmy, Timmy Horn, Horn, yeah. <laughs> Played yeah, one he's year. In the league. He was great, yeah. Yeah, he was great for us. He plays for the Atlanta Falcons. He's on the NFL roster. So we've been able to hit on some. The question is, are we going to be able to hit this year? especially with the NIL intensifying the competition for the really, really, really good players. It's going to be interesting to see how K-State plays it. You know, I know we do have some NIL money that we can throw around, but obviously we don't have the money like a Texas A&M or Texas or some of these programs. But it's going to be interesting to see are there some kids yeah, that probably want a little NIL money, but actually want to come play at K-State. And we need to be able to identify and get some of those guys that can contribute and play at a high level. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I can't trust Clinton and the rest of the coaches to bring in some quality players, some quality kids, and look some holes for us because they've done it every year. So I'm not real worried about it, to be honest. Yeah, I I agree. I'm looking forward to just see who we get. Yeah. That that'll be that'll go a long way. All right, Reggie. I do have rapid fire for you. You want to do uh, it? Yep, ready to go. Let's rock and roll. All right. Number one, who will be K State's offensive coordinator in 2024? Wow, that's a tough one to think about. <laughs> uh, I I think uh at the end of the day. Uh, if if I'm reading all the tea leaves and looking at everything, unless somebody really, really connected to climb and comes out of the box that I don't know about, I think it would be Connor Riley, the offensive line coach. I think he'll stay internal, um, bring in somebody else to probably coach the quarterbacks, maybe somebody else to help Connor with that offensive line because he'll have to be doing both duties, probably actually adding another offensive line coach or or some personnel in that position to help him. But I think Connor Riley, if I go out on a whim, and I think they may stay in turning, would be the new off, office coordinator. Okay. So there's a lot of nervousness among K-State fans that Avery Johnson might follow Colin Klein to Texas A&M. I don't think he's going to do that. I think Avery's here at least for this coming year. So my question for you is, 
will Avery Johnson be K-State's quarterback in 2025? Yes, I think he will be the quarterback in 2025. Uh, yes, there is some apprehension because of the closeness of Colin and Avery Johnson in the recruiting process. But I think a lot of people play all hands on deck in the Avery Johnson recruiting process. Taylor Brad uh, climbing himself, the head coach, I think even all the way to B.A., the running back coach, I think everybody played a role in getting Avery Johnson here to K-State. So I think he stays, and I think he'll be here in 2025 as well because I think he'll have an element of success that'll be good. I think they'll get somebody in here as a quarterback coach that he can develop a relationship with. And there's no upside for him to leave because I think we're, we're on par with him for NIL. I think that'll only continue to go up, and I think it'll just make sense for him to be here at K-State. Yeah, I agree. I think he's here for the long haul. It's something weird happens, like climbing gets offered an Alabama job or something like that. So, something crazy, right. Oh, man, yeah. So, uh, will Will Howard end up USC? There are rumors that Lincoln Riley was in town talking to him. So, what do you think? USC, I can't see Will as a Hollywood type of guy. Uh, I can see him. I would say no. Uh, I could see Will probably being more Notre Dame, um, different type of program, Louisville, somewhere in that nature. But I don't think USC would be the move. I'll All be right. shocked if it's USC. All right. I had one about. President Linton that we already talked about. So here's the okay. here's the final one. Is the K-State basketball team an NCAA tournament team without Naquan Tomlin? Whoa, that's a tough one there, Joe. That is a tough <laughs> one to answer. Um, I do think if we have to run the rest of the season and Naquan Tomlin is not on Kansas State's basketball roster, I would think we are a very borderline NCAA tournament team. I think we will play well at home. We will win a game or two we're not supposed to win. But on the road in the Big 12, I can't see us winning and be sustainable enough to get enough victories to be an NCAA tournament team. Yeah, I agree. I think without him, they're a bubble team. Yeah, probably be on that bubble all season long. So, but last night those kids came out fire, man. They played hard, they played well, and I kept thinking, man, if Tomlin was on these on this was playing with them, man, it's a sure fire tournament team. But without him, yeah, they'll they'll play like that sometimes, and then they'll you know play like they did against North Alabama sometimes. So it's yeah hard to tell. I really think if Tomlins get back into the rotation and get back into the mix, that they are an upper echelon Big 12 team, uh, um, you know, slightly below a tier of Kansas and, and you know, and Texas and some of those guys up at the top. But I really think they're right there. Yeah, I think so, too. All right, that's what I got for you today. All right, should be good, should be fun. K-State Nation, relax. Everything works itself out. The sky's not falling. Yes. Uh, the sun will shine tomorrow. You will wake up just like any other day. 
We'll get a new offensive coordinator, and we will resolve this situation with Nate Tomlin. I think it I has a good feeling that it's coming to a head. We will get resolution on that, and then uh, we'll go from there. All right. Sounds good. Thanks, Reggie. Thanks. Have a good weekend. We'll talk Take next care. week. All right. Bye. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.